You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. We're on fire now. We are on fire. We are back. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I have my love, Mr. Blue Eyes, looking at my face over here. I'm so lucky. What is going on, <laughs> everybody? How you doing? <laughs> huge, uh, huge update for me. Yes, let's uh, hear it. Today that I want to share, um, in all seriousness, I'm wearing <laughs> fresh shoes, really fresh shoes. They're my favorite shoes of all time. Yes. They are the True Blue Air Jordan 3s that I've been lusting over for a long, long time. They're my Mm -hmm. favorite shoe of all time. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're like $500 plus new. And so I've just been desiring them, longing for them, if you will. (laughs) And I, I somehow found them. Probably, I, I think the story was this girl probably like stole her ex-boyfriend's <laughs> yeah. shit and sold it on Poshmark. Uh-huh. And I bought it immediately for the price point, which is like 150 bucks. And now I have She my, had no idea. She had no idea. And now I have my favorite shoes of all time. They're they're sp- they look brand, brand new. spanking new. And I'm wearing them whenever I need to channel just my inner Michael Jordan. <laughs> and I need to today. So I feel really amazing. They look like um, dude guy boyfriend had them in the box the entire time yeah i feel bad for him wherever he's at <laughs> but um if he, you're down a pair of jordans don't at us he should probably listen to the medicine podcast and and pick up on a few uh you know proper masculine yeah. relationship right. traits and, and he maybe obviously was not treating her right maybe he'll keep his shoes next yeah. time <laughs> we have a super fun episode today uh we are talking as you could probably tell by the title we are going through a bunch of our and others, unpopular opinions today. And this is sort of a fun, silly, goofy, you know, sort of uh, episode, but there are some real ones in here. There are some real things that we're going to be talking about. And this is also, there's an overarching theme to this episode, this ninja life skill that is lacking in today's world. And that is hearing someone else's opinion who you may or may not agree with and maybe getting triggered, maybe getting offended and choosing to love that person and realize that they are their own being with their own right to their own opinions apart from yours. And we do not all have to agree for us to love and respect one another. We live in such a weird world right now where if you actually speak your opinion Mm -hmm. publicly, you're at absolute risk of getting crushed. Some call it getting canceled. However, if you're in the, the, the Twitter comments or Instagram threads, you can basically say anything and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, 
we're talking death threats, <laughs> like really intense, like racial slurs, yeah. homophobia, like the most vile shit I've ever seen mm-hmm. from the peanut gallery yeah. of social media. Yet, if you say poop the wrong way publicly, you could be completely deplatformed. Or if you were once 20 years old and made a mistake. Right. Or said something that maybe wasn't completely PC in your whole entire life. People can now extract that from your history, from your database of yeah. of actions and use it against you 20 or 30 years later, which is just mind blowing totally. to me. And this isn't just um, this isn't us saying that we hate cancel culture. In fact, I think there's been so many good things that have come out of an accountability that we leverage through the internet for people who have been misusing, manipulating and abusing mm-hmm. certain la- lanes and spaces. Yeah. In my own personal life, I had a very I'm just going to use the word intense a uh, college basketball coach who has since finally his shit has finally cut up to him and he's been hashtag canceled. Mm-hmm. That Intense, was not- completely justified cancellation of this individual. Yes. And there's been some incredible things uh, that have been really unearthed. And when I say incredible, I mean freaking awful uh, about the, the mistreatment of, of women and obviously so many, so many racial um, issues that have been mm-hmm. brought up over the last few years. That yeah. This accountability is important for us collectively as a culture. That being said, if you get offended at the drop of a hat, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a term, but if you get that easily offended, that's such an indication that you have your identity <laughs> attached mm-hmm. to your ideas or yeah. your beliefs or your institutions. Mm-hmm. And so all this is, this is a fun way of maybe ruffling some feathers and just practicing the muscle of being a little bit uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and navigating through it without having to like have an ego death. Right. We're going to be sharing individual unpopular opinions from ourselves and we don't even necessarily agree with each other. And we live in the same house. We, uh, we are soulmates, like all of that. We don't necessarily have to agree. And so um, I think this is going to be fun. So um, we're going to get into that. But first, but first, I would like to know, my love, Mr. Blue Eyes, what do you got going on in your cup today? Going on in my cup, I don't talk about this brand enough, and it is really one of my favorites. I've been actually singing their praises all week to some friends because of how much I love these guys mm-hmm. in my personal life. This is Ned, and uh, if you know Adrian Zimmerman, he is like an OG guest on the Medicine Podcast. Really early on, we interviewed him and about his story. He is the founder of this company. Episode 45. This is Hello Ned. They're out of Boulder, Colorado. Super awesome uh, group of people. And I've been taking their magnesium uh, super blend. It's This one specifically is a Myers lemon flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's loaded with optimal, ideal magnesium. It's also got uh, L-theanine and GABA, both of which are super supportive of brain health, uh, proper rest and restoration recovery and so i've been taking this as a way to up my magnesium levels really help me support in uh you know rest and and falling asleep at night and having deeper sleep um i've been using my whoop band of late and and really getting more into the deep sleep than i ever have before and i can't help but think that uh ned's mellow 
has been supportive. So this is mm-hmm. the Mellow Magnesium Blend. I'm actually stacking it with Organifi's Pure because mm-hmm. the fact that both of them are lemon. Uh, plus I get the, the brain benefits of lion's mane mushroom that's in Organifi Pure. Um, I get Baobab Mushroom, which is a nootropic, and then a bunch of the digestive enzymes and apple cider vinegar to help uh, support digestion. So I'm getting this, as everybody knows who listens to the show, I, I am not someone who sticks to one brand in one cup, baby. I am <laughs> mixing it all together. I'm Mixologist. The, I'm the guy who wears Adidas and Nike at the same time <laughs> yes. when, when it comes to my supplements. So Right now you're wearing Sonics and Jordans. Right. Totally. Um, so everybody out there, I don't, I don't have a great name for this one yet, but it's, it's kind of like the um, a lemony dream, if you will. Mm. Mellow, Magnesium, Myers Lemon, Organifi Pure with a lemon flavor. And uh, it is a match made in what's in your cup heaven. Love it. Yeah, we, we, I will attest to this. I love Ned as a whole brand. Um, love their mellow. I use it almost every night before bed. My favorite flavor is the naked flavor, which sounds like it would be unflavored, but it's not. It yeah. tastes like a um, healthy, not creamsicle. What's the word I'm looking Cream for? Cream soda. Cream soda. Yes. Yeah. A healthy cream soda. So I use about eight to 10, eight ish ounces of cold water and a little ice. And, you know, usually sip on that while we're listening to an audiobook or watching, you know, some weird documentary. <laughs> and uh, it supports basically my entire physiology head to toe. Magnesium isn't just for sleep. It's for every. Yeah. Every system in the body that relies on smooth muscle contraction. So that's everything from cardiovascular, respiratory, circulatory system, your sleep, like cognition. There's so libido. libido. There's so much that relies on that smooth muscle um, intelligence, really. Oddly enough, in addition to immunity, but two of the things that come up so much with um, you know endocrine disruption and issues that men are having, especially with fertility or libido or hormones. Uh, testosterone deficiencies in magnesium deficiencies in vitamin c all and we, we talk about them often as they pertain to sleep and rest and recovery and everything but magnesium is actually really supportive of sexual function mm-hmm. as well so uh, again one of these things this the body works in harmony with every with with each other with all of the systems and so when you can nail in a couple of these pillars magnesium being one of them mm-hmm. just crucial and and Ned is, we've got a lot of brands that we love. Ned is of the utmost efficacy from a supplement perspective. Yeah. Both their magnesium and their hemp products are upper echelon. Yeah, we also use their hemp oil and sleep blend, um, <clears throat> their anti-stress blend. I use it actually topically on my foot. Yeah. The CBD, I have, you guys have, if you've been listening, you know that I have had uh, foot issues for a while it gets really sore and Ned is like the only thing that works um, for resolving that and, and helping it to heal when it when it's kind of uh, not at a good spot. Yeah, so our code is medicine mm-hmm. uh, at, at helloned.com and uh, also if you're looking for Organifi, we got Organifi on our medicine cabinet as well. Our code is MimiFit. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of these as always, that's on the medicine cabinet. That is the medicine.com backslash cabinet. 
medicine cabinet? I don't <laughs> I know. I think it's the medicine cabinet. Just go to themedicine.com. Medicine is, of course, always spelled without the E on the end. Right away, you know, it's a different type of medicine. Yeah, totally. it's themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet. Um, what? My love. You got going on. I see it. It's, it's pink. It's red. Yes. What do you got going on in your cup? I have just a berry party. I have Organifi Red. Um, I missed it this morning before my workout, so I am uh, replenishing my body with all the wonderful nutrients that Red offers from Organifi, namely the cordyceps, rhodiola, and uh, ginseng. Awesome. Uh, And a whole bunch of antioxidants and berries that offer uh, increased lung capacity and recovery from workouts and just overall, if you need like a boost in your afternoon and you don't want to reach for like a pre-workout, highly recommend Organifi Red Juice. Nitric oxide support. So that's for exercise. Again, we're bringing back libido. This is blood flow. So dude guys and dude girls, critically important. These things that we call our genitalia (laughs) need... Yes. Proper blood flow. Yes. And so support with, with the beets, um, with the co- yeah. cordyceps mushrooms. Mm-hmm. This is a direct supporter of the baby makers. Yes. And we will both uh, attest to the fact that it works. It does. Yes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> if you guys uh, are interested in Organifi, if you've never tried it, or you just want some free Organifi, February is Subscriber Appreciation Month for Immune Intel HCC. We are handing out travel packs of Organifi in every single subscriber shipment. Holler. So thank you, everybody. If you're already a subscriber, you're getting free Organifi this month. Mm -hmm. If you are looking to try Organifi or you've been looking to try HCC, if you subscribe, and that is the $88 subscription on AHCC Immune Intel, you'll be getting free Organify travel packs for the month of February. So yeah. uh, check it out and uh, you're going to love it. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Do you want to jump into some of our unpopular opinions? Yeah. So we're just going to pop porn. Pop porn. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. We're going to popcorn back and forth a little bit. And these kind of range everywhere from health, you know, religion, spirituality, relationships, completely mm-hmm. random. Um, we're going to give a little bit of time. Like the point of this is not to debate. No, it's just to have some fun. Yeah. So we're not going to go into long dissertations and justifications about these, these claims really Mm -hmm. is what they are. Um, (laughs) rather we're just going to go back and forth a little bit and see what surfaces. And then lastly, we'll also thank you everybody who submitted responses. We're going to read some, uh, unpopular opinions that our listeners and, and, uh, social followers submitted and we're going to pick one, our favorite winner, mm-hmm. uh, and hand out a little goodie for him. So uh, this should be fun. Yes. All right. Love I'm gonna, it. I'm going to kick it off with hot take. Mm-hmm. So first, I just want to say, oh. when you read it, uh, Chase will have about, you know, roughly a minute to explain what he's what he's saying and to back up, you know, to basically make his case. And then it will come to me and I'll have a minute or so for rebuttal. Do I agree? Do I disagree? You know, playing devil's advocate a little bit. We'll make it a little interesting. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Kicking it off with keto branded products. Keto labeled products are shit. What? I thought they were the healthiest. So don't get me wrong. I (laughs) subscribe to a very carb conscious lifestyle. There There are phases in my life where I am very low carbohydrate because 
of the fat burning effect that can happen when you bottom out your glycogen stores and you trigger your your fat stores to produce energy for you. Mm-hmm. It, it is a super effective function. Ketogenesis is is incredibly and cr- incredibly beautiful and really interesting. That being said, this is the classic case of marketing flooding the <laughs> the, the industry yeah. and loading all of our consumer minds with propaganda. Mm-hmm. They do that by putting keto on fat, very fatty products and ingredients. Most of these ingredients in these products are fillers. They're weird sugar alternatives because they can't technically be registered as sugar. So they fill them with sugar alcohols, for instance, mm-hmm. with uh, net carbs are a huge thing. So if you have the carbohydrate load and then you back out the fiber, there's this thing called net carbs. And if it's below like five grams per serving, it's generally considered keto. Well, they load the fiber. They'll add fiber into a lot of these products, which have no benefit besides giving you a stomachache. <laughs> And completely turning this somewhat of a food product into mostly just a gut disrupting yeah. uh, bar, cereal, mm-hmm. bread. And so as much as I love low carb, most keto labeled products are shit. Yeah. Especially when they come in a package. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. No rebuttal necessary there. I completely agree. It's a, it's the same thing, exactly the same thing as gluten-free and vegan. Those are two labels, but because, because they're trendy, people see keto, gluten-free, vegan, and they associate it with, oh, that must be healthy. When Oreos are vegan and gluten-free and well, I don't really know if they're gluten-free, but you get my point is like, it doesn't have to equal healthy. If people see the the trigger word, that keyword, that propaganda, they're going to think, oh, I'm doing good. And it just requires more education and more really ownership of like, is this actually healthy? Um, So yeah, don't be fooled people. Keto has been great for people who are transitioning off of low fat to no fat diets which was kind of the 90s and early 2000s. That being said, for the general person who hasn't been cutting fat out of their entire diet, you're probably getting enough fat. Yes. So no need to add more. Right. All right. What do you got? In the, uh, in the arena of health, <laughs> my first one is the Brazilian butt lift trend is not going to end well for anyone. And if you've been on any beach in Southern California or Hawaii or anywhere or just perused, you know, any of the Kardashian uh, social media pages, you've seen what a Brazilian butt lift looks like. And this isn't I'm not, you know, spreading any hate. I just think that no matter how good your surgeon is, overnight spot treatment curves have a very short shelf life. So if you're just taking fat from one area of your body and transporting it to another area of your body, that's very uh, sort of distorted and your body isn't set up. There are ligaments and fascia involved, even if you have an area of your body that is a little bit more curvaceous or, or thick, like thighs or a butt. If you just go in and shove fat in there, it might look fine for six months or a year, but it's it, it doesn't have the infrastructure to stay supported. So everything is going to uh, uh, sag or just look like misshapen or whatever. So I really hope that this is 
a very quick trend because I don't think it's going to end well for a lot of people. And it, it actually tends to be quite dangerous for women. Like I've, I've heard of women actually like having really bad reactions and almost like dangerous uh, life-threatening situations mm. happen. So Brazilian butt lift trend, not into it. I didn't even know what it was called, but once you <laughs> described it, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. And again, if you've, if you've hung out on a beach in Southern California, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, visually, uh, as, a, as a masculine and someone who is a heterosexual uh, male, I, I can't say that I'm particularly attracted to those types of shapes. Um, so I, I totally, totally agree with you and, and adamantly think that a natural way to shape your body through exercise and proper diet and a healthy mindset mm -hmm. and, and really self-love, let's, let's just be honest, it's a self-love yeah. exercise, is a better approach. So totally aligned with you there. All right. All right. My next one, this is kind of under the health category as well, running should always be included in your movement protocol. Hmm. Say more. I get it. Running sucks. <laughs> and running long distance can be painful. Just moving your body sometimes, pounding your feet on, on the asphalt or the pavement, or God forbid, running on a freaking treadmill, which is super boring. That being said, running is such a primal movement. Humans evolved running through the plains of Africa and chasing beasts and, and foraging. And it is such a part of our evolution. And I think it's critical to the aging process that you always maintain an ability to run, an mm -hmm. ability to <clears throat> get to close to your top speed. I just think it's a signal to your entire system that says, I still need to be vital. Mm -hmm. And so this can be as simple as a five minute jog down the street and back. This doesn't need to be five miles you know, every other day. This can be a 10 minute jog once a week. This can be a quick five minute session on the treadmill just to break a quick sweat, switch the day up a little bit. But I think that running is a critical component to your overall health. Yes, I agree mostly. Taking out the specific scenarios of someone who has an injury or like myself who, you know, I have bad, like a bad knee yeah. that can very easily get overworked if I'm not careful. So with that, with that disclaimer, I will say that I agree with you mostly. And I actually literally last week or this week, um, have started to incorporate like real jogging. I haven't ran in, in years because I've been afraid of my knee, like getting, you know, sore or whatever, but even just incorporating like a couple times a week, a 10 minute jog or a one mile. And I'm, you know, I'm, it's a, it's a real jog. It's not a run. It's just a moving quickly <laughs> type of thing that I think does have a lot of benefits. And I will say, if you don't do it for a while and then you get back into it, it is actually enjoyable, especially if you can do it in, in a place that is uh, not, you know, zero degrees. Yeah, no doubt. Your metabolism <laughs> loves it. Absolutely does. Yep. All right, next one for me. Labels and diagnoses are more harmful than they are helpful. So I think we as a society look for labels because we are also obsessed with finding the quick fix. So if I have a label, if I have a diagnosis of whatever condition, say an autoimmune condition or whatever, it's easier or it is um we are more likely to go find the answer in maybe a pill or a treatment or a surgery that's meant for that thing. Mm. Even though 
that expression of an autoimmune disorder or a viral infection or whatever it is, is probably not the only expression of imbalance in your body. This is probably a a downstream effect or a downstream expression of a problem that's upstream. So oftentimes like we have more going on and we're not getting to the actual root cause. We're just looking at this expression of, oh, an autoimmune disorder. And we're going and getting medications or whatever to turn off that check engine light really when it's a signal from your body deeper within your body that, hey, something is out of balance here and I'm expressing it to you the only way that I know how through you know, symptoms and manifestation. That's the only way that our body can can really communicate to us. And if we're just turning off those signals, we're not actually getting to the root cause. So that's why we talk a lot about root cause wellness is like, go upstream, figure it out. And sometimes it's not as easy as just finding a pill or a supplement or an herb. You know, it's, it's peeling back the layers and really looking deeper within yourself. Where is this actually stemming from? Yeah, it's such a great point and, and I'm very much aligned. I think so much of the labeling and diagnoses are, are just another way to articulate a symptom. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, all those protocols then are directly uh, addressing the symptom instead of potentially the cause and so if there was almost like this Mm multi-tiered evaluation of okay here's the symptom here's some of the things that we can do to treat the symptoms but let's also go up the tree a little bit kind of like a family tree you know you see how those work that you could get up to some like root potential root cause and have sort of like treatment tiers as they go would be something that would Mm -hmm. be a little more effective doctors out there you should probably just listen to me Totally. All Um, right. Okay. So I think before we move on to the next one, which is the religion and spirituality, I think you had one more uh, health category, unpopular opinion. Yes. So my last one in health is there isn't a supplement for everything. Sometimes you literally just need to change the expression of your life to be healthier. That could include something like picking up a hobby that's enjoyable. That could include something like showing more creativity in your day. That could include something like dancing more. That could include something like getting out of a toxic relationship. Sometimes the answer is not a new supplement. And this is coming from two people who love supplements. Right. <laughs> Obviously, we love them. But, you know, it, it's not always about what's the next thing that I can buy that has sexy marketing attached to it that tells me that I'm going to feel better. Sometimes we really just need to look at our life and look at the expressions that are coming out of it and looking at the inputs of our life. Is it... Is it um, displaying, are we experiencing life um, the way that we want to with these inputs that are coming in? Does that make sense? It is a supplement. Yeah. Meaning it's supplemental to something else. It's not a solution. And everybody knows that we ride so hard for supplements. I've chosen it to be my life's work (laughs) is to work in the supplement space. Yeah but it is one piece to the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Solutions involve you and you alone most of the time until you're at at the space where supplements nudge you in maybe the right direction, uh, maybe put icing on the cake, but you're not going to be building the foundation of the home with supplements. Right. Holler. Holler. Okay, let's jump into next category that is religion and spirituality. Yeah, so this one... um, 
a little bit of a hot take, but is, in my opinion, my unpopular opinion, it's easier to be lazy when you are religious. Hmm. What do you mean? What I mean by that is I think in many religious spaces, you know, Christianity, Mormonism, Catholicism, these spaces that encourage the act of asking for forgiveness or um, confession or different means by which you can sort of like clean the plate of what you've been building up from a sin perspective, I think actually sometimes contributes to laziness in the way that you live your life. Because on Sunday, you can just sort of like clean your slate and start fresh the next week. Mm -hmm. And so I think people, and I've actually seen it so often in my life and the people and the cultures that, that we come from where there is behavioral slack, if mm -hmm. you will, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to the earth and the, and the way that you treat the planet and other living beings, when, the way that you look and treat yourself. I'm going to go hard Saturday night because tomorrow when I go to church, I'll be able to like cure it all through asking God for forgiveness or, you know, I just fucked up, but I'm going to talk to the priest this, this week at confession and sort of just like feel better about mm -hmm. it. I think that it encourages just laziness in the way that you karmically show up in the real world. Love it. I mean, I don't love it, but I hear you and I agree. It's sort of like if I was showing up to our relationship and consistently emasculating you and just apologizing for it later. And, you know, you saying to me like, it's okay, I forgive you. And the next day I do the same thing. It's okay, I forgive you. Next day I do the... It, there's no impetus to change. There's yeah. no impetus to, if you're constantly wiping the slate clean and not really like taking ownership for your actions and behavior without this like, oh, well, I know I'm going to be scotch free tomorrow, so it's okay. Well, in relationship, it's marriage, right? You use the constitution and the contract of marriage as this way to be like, well, you know what? We're married. We're committed. We're going to be doing this for a long time. So I'm, I don't need to show up today for her. They're stuck with me. She, we're, we're in this. She's, what's she going to do, right? Yeah. She's in this. Divorce me. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's kind of that energy. Yeah. It's sort of like apathetic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great point. Yes. All right. Hello, my loves. I am bursting at the seams to tell you about this brand that I have fallen in love with called Toto. It's healthy, functional, no guilt cookie dough. Yes, freaking delicious cookie dough made from eight superfoods that can be eaten raw with a spoon or baked into actual cookies. The founder, Sydney Webb, was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 21. After being introduced to adaptogens and superfoods and incorporating them into her life, three months later, she was cancer free, y'all wild, huh? Now Sydney is sharing this superfood cookie dough with the world to prove that medicine can be delicious. Toto is powered by nature and innovated by food science. It is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and refined sugar-free. They use balancing adaptogens, brain-boosting nootropics, and immunity-loving herbs to give your body what it needs to thrive while feeling like you are also indulging in dessert. My favorite flavor is the sea salt chocolate chip, and they also have peanut butter chocolate chip. 
I have a spoonful after dinner and it's the perfect little healthy indulgence that I never feel bad about. To try for yourself or your family, head to totofoods.co. That's T-O-T-O foods.co and use the code Mimi20, M-I-M-I-2-0 for 20% off your order. Then try to resist the urge to track me down and hug me because I think you're going to be obsessed just like me. Enjoy, boo. All right. My first one in religion and spirituality. People use the names of God and Jesus as a hall pass to do really fucked up shit. (laughs) You know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard in my life, my direct familial life, quote, it's a God thing, basically providing justification for uh, behavior that should not be tolerated, Um, or God told me to, or hashtag Catholic priests, or I don't know, maybe all of the crusades (laughs) that happened in the name of Christianity and Christ and God and all of this. Um, So I think that Again, it's kind of piggybacking on what you were talking about. Um, It is a lazy justification. And uh, I feel like if Jesus could, you know, see what people have done and do every day in his name, he'd probably be, you know, like covering his face and just like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Yeah. Like, this is not what I taught. This is not me. This is not what I ever wanted. Um, yeah, that's my hot take. Totally. I'm completely aligned there. And the list is endless. Um, with the Bible, which is this incredible channeled work from absolutely divine energy, it's been translated quadrillion times by now. And there are some really, you know, pretty intensive things in this book that are used and leveraged for narrative. They're used and leveraged for somebody's agenda or, or purpose and, you know, just calling out one specific is is the verses that condemn homosexuality. And we live in a world with really incredible, diverse people that, that are not heterosexual. And there's been damnation from certain corners of Christianity using these verses that it's been God's word uh, for for the, the justification of basically... Um, Ostracizing. Yeah, uh, uh, homosexuals. And the list is endless. It's, it's everything from... Um, justifying it's it's been everything from manipulating kids to do certain acts or behaviors because you can scare them by telling them they're going to hell um, or that if they don't Jesus or God will be mad at you and, and coming from the upbringing that we did it's pretty excessive and we've seen it firsthand and while I have so much reverence for some of the tradition and some really, really amazing, incredible people that are that live out their mm-hmm. Christianity in a beautiful, flowering way. There is also some dark parts of that space oh, that yeah. that use God, the Bible, um, you know, Jesus in a way that is for you know selfish narrative. Totally, one hundred percent. All right, what's your next one? All right, um, continuing on the path of. Uh, poo-pooing church. <laughs> uh, I think requiring church leaders to be celibate distorts their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think there's enough cases at this point, specifically in the Catholic church, where 
there has been sexual abuse, I think a lot of that comes down to the the ruling of celibacy that's required for to be yes. to be a priest. And I'm not saying cel- celibacy doesn't have its place. Mm-hmm. I think if you independently choose a life of celibacy, you know, you you think of like certain monks that have like chosen not to um, engage in you know the flesh mm-hmm. or even from certain foods that if it's an individual choice for some level of commitment to a higher power or to, to, or to the higher version of yourself. Great. But the fact that it's required or, or if you were to go this route, you have to be this particular way, I think, and it's not a choice. It creates a compartmentalized pool of, of energy that can be manipulated, twisted and ultimately express itself in an Mm -hmm. unhealthy way. Totally. I 100% agree. I think that our sexuality is not only natural, it's part of our human totality. I think it is very um, dangerous to shove that and to make someone do that. I agree that it should be someone's choice. Even just everyday people go through bouts of celibacy to focus on something in front of them, to focus on their own healing, to focus on whatever it is. It should always be that person's choice. Um, And I don't disagree with it in and of itself, but I disagree with making someone do it. I think it encourages sexual crimes because it is a part of us, whether we like it or not, it is a part of our human totality. And I think it pushes people into um, doing these things that they maybe wouldn't do if they had a healthy expression, say with a committed partner, Yeah, you know? So I think that it, it's really, really dangerous. Totally. Yep. Okay. Next one for me <laughs> is the garden of Eden story is a metaphor to reflect on, not a historical event to be taken literally. Tough stuff. (laughs) And this actually, it it took me 29 years to be able to like realize this and say it out loud. Um, I've just come to a place where I realize more. And this this is my unpopular opinion. It doesn't have to align with whatever you believe about the Bible. That's okay. I've just seen so much val- so much more value added to my life when I view the stories of the Bible as metaphors to reflect on rather than historical events to plan my life around today, 2,000 plus years, and how many quadrillion translations later. I think that we can po- quite possibly learn just as much from the metaphorical approach as we, I, I would say actually more than the literal approach because your literal approach or your literal interpretation might be different than my literal interpretation. And that's why there are how many 17,000 different sects of Christianity, because there are people who say that it's literal, but they disagree on what the literal translation is. And so all of those people are actually using it as a, as a metaphor. They just don't know it. They just all just don't agree. I've never really thought about it that way until I'm actually talking it through with you. But if there are 17,000 different sects of Christianity, that means that they can't, none of them can fully agree on what is actually literal. So they're all metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days we'll get Paul check on the podcast yeah. and he's got you know, a couple things to say about, about this space, but um, it's something that has never made sense to me growing up in, in 13 years of Christian education and then going to college. 
um, at a Christian institution, which actually educated me on the fact that the Bible was mostly metaphor. Mm -hmm. And I uh, have always maintained that although it is metaphor, these archetypes are so incredibly important to look at. And so to discount the meaning and the, the, the reality of a lot of these mm-hmm. um, stories, just because it is metaphor, is um, you know not necessarily appropriate. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? I think that's mm-hmm. the saying. And um, while if we take them literally and try to you know use Bible metaphor to create laws that humans should live by in 2022 may not work but if we can look at the archetype and the meaning behind them there's there's so much beauty and profound yeah. knowledge yep absolutely yeah. and it helps you to maintain empathy and compassion for the other person on the or the person on the other side of the table who maybe doesn't see it exactly as you do you can just be like cool we totally interpret it differently how cool that that you gain that from that and it helps your life right all right uh this isn't really spiritual but it, i put it in this category just because it it, it a lot of times has um a a spiritual or a religious um, kind of theme to it, which would be reading too many books actually hurts your intelligence. Mm. So we're we're both big consumers of spiritual books or or books that that kind of evolve our consciousness. And why I say this is that if you sort of like use your pragmatic, rational, masculine brain to read more than you can start to put into action – behave and experience you're going to be stunting your ability to actually learn Mm -hmm. and so your intelligence could could actually be getting hurt by the fact that your rational brain is way too far ahead of your capacity to live out the things that you're reading and learning yeah so much of knowledge intelligence the learning process has to be experienced for context for for applicability and just for whether or not it is true for you Mm -hmm. and so if you don't take your time through the things that you're reading consuming studying and put them into practice you're potentially going to be stunting your ability to actually learn grow evolve into an intelligence because of the fact that you're just not able to put it into practice yeah i totally agree and it brings me back to a quote from our good friend paul check don't consume more information than you can put mm. information. Chexter, love him. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to relationships, right? Relationships. <laughs> so I'll go first here. Sometimes the answer to your argument is an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, this this really comes from the fact that sometimes we think that we want to win the conversation, but actually what we want, especially if this is a feminine body, a feminine essence, actually what we want is to surrender. Mm. And I believe that when things are heated, when there is maybe an intense argument or a conversation or whatever, I think sometimes the root of it from the feminine and, and maybe from the masculine too. You can chime in here if you if you um if you have a different opinion. But I think from the from the feminine we can get testy, we can get like we want to poke when we're not feeling like we can fully surrender and trust our masculine. Yeah. So we will poke and prod and sometimes emasculate just to elicit something. Yeah. And then it can turn into a, uh, a heated conversation, an argument, you know, 
saying things that you don't actually mean when the root of it is actually, I say, I use the term orgasm here because it's, uh, you know, um, just a, a symbol of surrender yeah. and really dropping into your feminine essence. That is receptivity, surrender. And when you stifle that, when you strangle and cut that off completely in your feminine essence, you will start to act out and it will disguise itself as arguments. Yeah. One, sounds like we need to be in an argument. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, two, I totally agree. What do you, when you orgasm, especially if you like orgasm together, there is this feeling of acknowledgement and, and oneness and you've been seen mm -hmm. and held and, and properly penetrated and received. And it's this bouquet of all of these attributes that are actually what's being sought during mm -hmm. an argument. Yeah. It's what's being sought during confrontation. You don't understand me. You don't know. Oh, wait, no, you don't understand me. You need to listen to me. You're not listening to me. You need to see all of those things can actually just be beautifully like swept clean by just one good sesh in <laughs> the bedroom. Well, literally walk by people on the street or have like an, uh, an encounter with someone and we'll walk away and be like, she needs an orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right. What did you, what you got on the relationship front? Marriage is an overrated act of love. Ooh. Yeah. It's kind of like Valentine's day. We're just coming off of Valentine's day here. Yeah. It is a, all right, I guess we're supposed to do this type of love expression. And I'm not saying marriage sucks. I just think it's overrated in our society where it's like the next step in your romantic mm -hmm. evolution. And so I think it's overrated because it's, it's just, part of the protocol already it's not it doesn't have as much creativity it doesn't have as much novelty as maybe other acts of love and i realize that people you know get really creative with their engagements and things like that and that's freaking awesome i just tend to think that marriage having been through one myself uh is a little bit overrated on the scale of things that you can do to show your love to someone yeah and that's, I think it's definitely going to be a hot take. There's definitely someone listening right now who did, who, who has gotten married and, and newsflash, we did get married. We actually went through the act. Um, so I just we're think not, it's overrated. We're not, yeah, yeah, we're not saying that it's bad or wrong or anything. Um, I do agree that I think that it can, um, sort of behave like a life jacket to where the couple, it, it's like the end goal was the ceremony. Yeah. The end goal was the, the wedding. And then what? You know, things sort of stop there sometimes. Right. And the the attitude of perpetual and eternal growth together gets stifled a bit by that marriage certificate because it's like, well, what do you what more do you want? We're together. I have you. You have me like we're in this. And um, yeah, I think that it, it certainly can be overrated for sure. Yeah. I think anytime that the term you're supposed to gets thrown into a certain expression of love typically means it could potentially be a little overrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. All right. So next one up for me, the feminist movement can actually promote degradation of healthy masculine energy. Mm. I think that there is this underlying um, attitude not with everyone, but with a lot of people that I've witnessed, um, that all masculine energy is toxic masculinity. And that's obviously 100% false. Um, masculine and feminine energy 
are relative and dependent on each other for us to have context going through life. It's in nature. It's in each one of us. It's in everything. The masculine and feminine is not just sex and gender. It's everything. And um, I think just labeling masculinity as toxic masculinity, just kind of a blanket statement is really dangerous. And it sort of promotes this idea that uh, feminine energy is better than masculine energy, yeah. which is, you know, I know that the pendulum is swinging the other way because we've lived in such a patriarchal society for so long that there are women who are angry and they, they have a right to be angry. But the answer is not just, feminism. So um, I think that there is an opportunity for balance on on both sides. Yeah. Uh, Another one where I, where I definitely agree it's complex. Mm -hmm. And I think that there has been a proper scrubbing of toxic masculinity in certain lanes. And Mm -hmm. that's been a really, really healthy thing. But I also think it's contributed to this walking on eggshell type behavior in a lot of men, um, which is, for relationships, not really the masculine energy that, that drives polarity in a feminine and masculine dynamic. So when, when men, let's just say, are walking on eggshells, they're somewhat neutralizing their polar attraction to the feminine and create maybe less than ideal partners in relationship because of it. Mm -hmm. So there is a, although there is a proper like spotlighting of toxic masculinity that has been brought about by the feminist movement, there can be the sort of like casualties in the, in the process um, because of what often happens, which is kind of an aggressive approach at just men in general. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Yeah. you know, it's a, it's it's a good one. It's a juicy one. Yeah. I think that um, (laughs) I've heard women get angry over the fact of like a man opened the door for them. I don't need you to open the door for me. Or like a man wants to pay for dinner on a date. I don't need you to pay. Like I make my own money. Yeah. You know, so I think that um, there's a line. It's a fine line of homegirl. He knows that you make your own money. He knows that, you know, he knows that you can pull on a door handle. It's, you know, sometimes it just comes down to like human decency and courtesy. Totally. Um, But yeah, that's my hot take. Totally. All right. My next relationship, unpopular opinion. Most parents, this is this is parent-child relationships, most parents don't know how to detach from their children, so you might actually need to break up with them yourself. Mm. I don't know if it's just the modern world that we live in or if this has always been the case with parents and children, but I see so often parents' entire identity, entire purpose in life is their children. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's the helicopter mom or whether that's just... The, the dad, the who's dad living. who's living vicariously <laughs> through their kids' sports achievements yeah. and things of that nature. But there is this kind of unhealthy attachment that I see often with parents and their children, such that as they become adults, there's never a proper like segregation of the child-parent dynamic. And so we see these really, really attached adult relationships that I don't think are necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think one of the most liberating things as an individual, as an adult individual, 
is not being completely dependent on your parents, uh, whether that's emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, or um, financially. Yeah. You know, it can feel really good to be feel to feel like you're being taken care of still as an adult, but it never gets you out of the child archetype that is dependent yeah. on mom and dad. And so, especially if you move into romantic relationship and you still have that tie, yep. not saying that you need to completely cut your family off and never talk to them again absolutely not we're big time family people but i i wouldn't say that you or i either one of us is dependent on yeah. them and especially their approval of what you choose to express in your life i think that's a big one even if it's not financial it's well what are my mom and dad gonna think yeah so so when i speak to breaking up i i, I don't mean like you know you need to disown me and we mm -hmm. never need to talk again i i really just mean Hey, I need to I need to make my own decisions. I need to support myself financially. Mm -hmm. I may call you as a friend. I may call you for counsel, but um, please stop doing things for me. Please stop uh, trying to control or or be a part of my life. And and please, if you can, don't use your or don't don't use my life and and my decisions for your kind of like self value. Yeah, yeah. totally. 100% agree. All right. Last one for me on relationships. Polyamory does not equal spiritual evolution. Mm. <laughs> and we're kind of in the space of the health and wellness podcasting space. And we have, you know, friends that kind of dabble in this sort of polyamory space. And I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing the whole thing altogether, but we know personally people who have used polyamory as a front and saying that it is for their own spiritual evolution when it's really rooted in sexual addiction and not wanting you know like deeper wounds of not yeah. wanting to commit to a person or not wanting to give up freedom and just labeling it slathering it nicely with this beautiful polyamory as self-discovery and spiritual evolution um, not saying that it can't work for some people but i think that there are a lot, lot of instances where people want to fuck around and then they also want to come home and feel safe too yeah. And uh, I think that that's something worth peeling back the layers on. Um, and I think it's one of those things that has to be very mindfully, very carefully and consciously approached by all parties involved for it to actually work. Totally. Yep. It's kind of like uh, taking a, a psychoactive or a psychedelic drug doesn't immediately make you spiritual. Yeah. You can have a spiritual experience, but it doesn't immediately make you an evolved, enlightened spiritual being right yeah. out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's one of those things that's a slippery slope. That being said, we also know people personally in our lives who have, you know, catalyzed their themselves in the self-development space through something like, you know, open relationships. So mm -hmm. um, blanket, I totally agree with you kind of like on the generalized space. That being said, I have seen some people who, who really have used it as this kind of like catalyzing growth opportunity. Yep. Totally. All, All right. right. Uh, I don't know why I have put this one in the relationship space, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> somewhat somewhat of a relationship. Um, hugs plus drugs is better than hugs, not drugs. <laughs> and uh, what I mean by this is there are some substances categorized as drugs that really amplify the hugging process <laughs> and the, the love process <laughs> and the intimacy process. And so for me, it's not always hugs not drugs because some drugs are 
pretty pretty safe. I'm not talking about doing heroin or meth <laughs> yeah. or a line of cocaine, but there are some gentle, friendly, uh, unfortunately categorized drugs out there that can very much amplify the hug process. Love it. <laughs> You're piggybacking on one of mine to be to be D mm. TBD. <laughs> I think we're moving on to food. Food. Yes. You want me to go first? Go for it. All right. I only have one here. <laughs> Oysters are not meant to be huge. <laughs> Fuck. Redo. <laughs> Oysters are not meant to be food for humans. Mm. <laughs> and the reason I say this is because if you ever observe someone eating oysters at a restaurant or listen to someone talking about them or instructing on instructing you on how to eat them, if you have to cover it in salt or lemon juice or pretend that it's not in your mouth or shoot it like vodka <laughs> in order to get it down, that means that you don't actually like the thing. And it's this sort of like hyped up thing that's like, yeah. oh, oysters. Maybe it's because it's an aphrodisiac. Is it? Like, oh, okay. I don't know. People say that. Um, but you also pe- see people like shooting it down like a shoot of a shot of vodka and they're not even chewing. And yeah. it's like, okay, I could just eat like a huge booger. <laughs> and it would right. be the same experience, you know? I, I think we give it a try. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? It's just like this big slime ball. Yeah. And uh, people are always like, oh, yeah, just cover it in salt or sauce. Or it's like, well, then just eat the sauce. Yeah. Or just eat the salt. Right. Yeah. Or, uh, or like put it on a burger. Like you can put sauce on butter and like put it on something better. Yeah, like a totally. testicle looking thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of a fun one. But yeah, never, never understood the oyster thing. Totally get it. All right, right, I got the fact, the fact. (laughs) Soup is overrated. Oh, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I know. Don't get me wrong. I like soup. I just think it's overrated. What about my soup? It's usually not very filling. So you load up on (laughs) liquid. Oddly enough, you load up on a ton of liquid and are thirsty later because it's so salty. (laughs) So you're like immediately way more full than you think you are. You, I end up more hungry later and more thirsty because of this like sodium loaded liquid situation that comes down in the form of soup. I love it. Just think it's a little overrated. Uh, yeah, I, I can see from your perspective via your logic, how you would come to that conclusion. I just have to completely disagree because it is, I think a really unique food modality and, um, it, it, you know, it doesn't sound good on an 85 degree, you know, California day, but, in the you know the heart of fall a good soup a blended soup that has so much flavor or you make a chunky chili or like uh you know a tuscan potato with browned sausage and veggies and like oh come on you got me kit me right now that's just great branding (laughs) all right my next one yes alcohol is really not that good you're just addicted to the high yeah alcohol tastes like purell (laughs) <laughs> it tastes like hand sanitizer. Most of it, almost all of it. Yeah. You get addicted to the high of it, the buzz of it. Yeah, like, the buzz or the the community or the the social aspect of going and drinking together or going to brunch and drinking or, you know, uh I I would also add to that like you're escaping from your life. I'm I'm also pretty pretty sure that your body doesn't like it mm, yes 100 percent. your is a liver if it could talk to you would would tell you the same <laughs> yeah uh, i got a couple more rapid fires in the food section do it pumpkin spice is gross mm, pumpkin agree spice, to disagree 
in it of itself tastes like a candle. <laughs> it tastes like walking into like Pier One during the fall, and w- and it's like potpourri. What is good is when it's loaded with you know cream and sugar and frothy like hot chocolate or latte, and there's all these other dressings, and it's this just marshmallow that just happens to have a little pumpkin spice on it. Well, what what do you mean by pumpkin spice in and of itself? Because it's always in something like that. No. Pumpkins, if you actually took pumpkin and then the spices that are on it, like the pumpkin, like, you know, puree or something with the spiciness of the pumpkin. I don't know what the, is in the spice. That's just like the filling of a pumpkin pie then. But but then pumpkin spice, latte, tolerable. Pumpkin spice, pie maybe, tolerable. But pumpkin spice in this whole craze, like we've gotten really obsessed with this ingredient that is like in isolation, kind of not good. Mm. And I and I, I would I would argue that if you swapped pumpkin spice for chocolate or like cinnamon or caramel, it, caramel if you will, would be better. Mm. Well, it's just been crushed from Starbucks branding. Well. We're in a fight because you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And then lastly in the food space for me, ice in my cup (laughs) is just freaking annoying. (laughs) What if you have a straw? Better. Okay. I like, but, but it it makes the glass sweat. Yeah. (laughs) It, 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 you go to take a drink and you spill water over Mm -hmm. your pants on your crotch and it looks like you peed your (laughs) pants. That's true. You have to do this like funnel with your lip <laughs> to not have your teeth touch the ice and freeze yeah. them to death. So you have to like funnel water through it, which yeah. means my mustache gets in the way, which means I have to like wipe my mustache afterwards. Yeah. Sorry, when you fi- if, if you forget, if it's like warm water and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I didn't put ice in first. You have to go put ice in like out of the refrigerator and it drops and creates like a tidal wave in your cup. So there's so many things that make it annoying. I, I realize that it needs to make my water or my drink of choice cold. And for that fact, I do it. It's just annoying. Oh, my gosh. I'm dying. And my cheeks actually hurt at how passionate you are about this topic. It's been a tough 31 years with ice. <laughs> I've never thought about the pants thing or the the mustache getting annoying where you kind of have to like yeah slurp it off. I, yeah. That would be annoying. It my is. mustache isn't quite as full right. as yours right um so i don't really have you do a better problem. job trimming it than i do <laughs> yes all right we're gonna get into some randos now some randoms ready go for it my first random is piggybacking on a, a previous one of yours the organization dare is a self-fulfilling prophecy of kids doing drugs irresponsibly mm. So one of the things that they teach is just say no, you know, just say no to drugs. And although I'm not saying that everyone should go out and do all the drugs all the time, (laughs) abstinence of all drugs is not necessarily the answer for kids because, I mean, has has that worked with sex where it's like, just don't do it and you'll be fine. Just don't do it and you won't get pregnant and die. You know, like abstinence is not really a... a realistic answer. Um, and I think that in and of itself will, it likely makes kids want to go and try it more because it's sort of like taboo Mm -hmm. and off limits. Um, 
we've talked about this before, and this is a, you know, very much a hot take. We're getting real here. We've talked about this before. Say like we have a kid and they're a teenager and they are interested in cannabis or they're talking about friends that are smoking pot or whatever. We would actually sit them down and have a conversation with them, talk about pros and cons, talk about, hey, if you're interested in this, please just let us know. Don't go and do it in some shady back alley or behind the school and, you know, get in trouble or whatever. Like come to us and, and be open with us and we'll talk about it and we'll, you know, have some sort of education rather than just saying like, don't do it. You're going to hell if you do. We might even just roll up a joint with you. (laughs) I mean, depending on their age and depending on what the substance was. um, No, I just like, I think that abstinence is not a realistic answer for like 98% of people. And by just telling them to say no without any education on how to be responsible with them. And really, this is up to the parents. It shouldn't be an outside organization's responsibility. I think that it should come from the parents and there would be a lot less uh abusers of drugs in our world today yeah totally what you got bars are not that fun after 30 (laughs) right i find myself when at bars screaming to have conversations with other people to to the point that i'm becoming hoarse Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time you're drinking if you're not drinking you feel like you're in an asylum because everybody else <laughs> is and they're a little bit drunk and nothing's funny unless you're drunk too. Right. And then if you do decide to get drunk after 30, you're hungover. It's just damn yeah. near guaranteed. Most of the food in bars is not particularly good for you. It's delicious. And especially if you're drinking, you're, you're yeah. craving minerals and salt. And so mm-hmm. you just crush fries and peanuts and, and bar food. But it's a recipe for hangover. One of the best decisions I ever made for my overall health was getting completely off moldy coffee. If you are on a mission to get to the bottom of mystery symptoms and feel your best in life, this is something you need to know about. I have now lost count of the hundreds of people who tell me they have given up on coffee and caffeine, not because they wanted to, but because they thought they had to, because every time they drink it, they feel shaky, anxious, brain foggy, have skin reactions or digestive issues. I then explained to them that my love, you are more likely having a reaction to the mold and pesticides in your coffee, not the caffeine. The sad and shocking reality is that up to 91% of coffee beans used in America are contaminated with mold, not to mention the 42 different chemicals and pesticides sprayed on most coffee beans before they are even harvested. So if you have persistent, unexplained brain fog, sore joints, fatigue, immune issues, or other mystery symptoms, it could be from moldy coffee you are unknowingly pouring into your precious body every day. No pill, no potion is going to help us feel better if we don't first remove the negative stimulus, like the moldy coffee. Here's the great news. If you love coffee, you don't have to give it up. Every day I drink delicious, mold-free, pesticide-free coffee that supports my overall health in the best way. It's my Reishi King Coffee. King Coffee is organic coffee mixed with the spores from Reishi mushrooms. 
This unique and potent combination allows me to enjoy coffee while also supporting my hormones, my immune health, my nervous system, my digestion, my mood, my stress levels, and so much more. If King Coffee was a pop star, she would absolutely be Beyonce, potent and divine. If you love coffee, I invite you to ditch the mold and try King Coffee for yourself. It was one of the best decisions I ever made for my health. I can't and won't go back. To learn more about what makes Reishi Spores and King Coffee so unique, you can check out episode number six of this podcast. And to grab your King Coffee, do not buy on Amazon. That is illegal and expired product. Instead, go to themedicine.myorganogold.com and search for King Coffee. You can also just check the show notes or my Instagram bio for a direct link. Bringing you only the best and only what I'm obsessed with. Cheers, boo. Yep, totally agree. Um, I think that at a certain age, it is fun when that's where your consciousness is at. But you and I, our love language is having like an intimate meal with one or two, three people, maybe like a small group of people and having like deep, rich conversation. And uh, you just can't do that at a bar. It's just it's just completely different. So we've graduated out of bar fun. So I would agree. All right. My next one under random is cats are better than dogs. Mm. That's a hot take. Seriously, I think I just lost some followers, honestly. (laughs) Um, But here, let me make my case. The case for cats. I'm going to make my case. They require much less one-to-one attention. Okay? They're very loving most of the time. Cats get this bad rap that they are somehow like evil demon creatures or whatever. If you've ever had a cat that has truly bonded to you, they are so loving. They just require less one-to-one attention to receive fulfillment in their own life versus a dog. No hate on dogs. I actually love dogs. Don't get me wrong. But I just think cats are better. Um, they're quieter, generally. They are more self-sufficient and confident <laughs> in themselves. Like dogs get like butt hurt about stuff. Like what? You went on a walk without me? And they're like legitimately sad. Cats do their own thing. They're, they're, they're like living their own life. They're living their best life with or without you. Um, and lastly, your hands don't smell after petting them. Hmm. How many times have you pet a dog and you're like, why do my hands stink? Not every dog, but a lot of dogs don't smell good. And I I can't say that I've ever had a situation where I've pet a cat and been like, Ooh, that stinks. They, I don't know if it's because they're better at bathing themselves or keeping themselves clean or whatever it is, but that's my case. Um, I am a, a cat person cat mom for sure i respect your opinion and i see so many you know realities in what you've articulated (laughs) i would argue that the the height of fun that can be met with a dog is greater than a cat um there's you know picture a dog beach and Mm -hmm. you know playing catch with your your canine that is like freaking top tier fun until it becomes a burden and it's like "Ah, i gotta take the fucking dog out sure right polarity (laughs) right um there's a level of protection and loyalty that a dog brings to the relationship that you know cats unless they're like uh (laughs) tigers or or like panthers may not be able to facilitate so just a couple uh couple 
data points to consider. <laughs> yeah. I like it. No, I like it. And again, I love dogs. I really do. I just love cats more. I don't have a big explanation for this one. I just don't think there is any reason to make your bed in the morning. <laughs> I can see. I can see. Yes, your logic in that. I would say being as devil's advocate, not that I believe this, but I do know plenty of people who do make their bed first thing in the morning. And it's like they receive some sort of like achievement. Like I'm starting my day on the right foot because I did something already. But if that's like, if that really gets you that much satisfaction, like maybe get like more hobbies. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just leaving it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my next one. <laughs> This one is great. People who say they like the cold are just confused. Yeah. Now hear me out. There's someone who's listening that's like, what? I love, I love the seasons. I love cold. No, you don't. Listen, you might like Christmas time or winter sports like skiing or snowboarding or the beautiful snow, uh, you know, walking in a winter wonderland. You might like Christmas music. You may like things that come with the cold and Christmas time. None of those things are actually the cold. So just think about this. Your body literally rebels when you're in the cold by shivering. I'm not talking about just like a crisp morning, you know, in fall, like September. Like I like, you know, a good crispness to the morning. Like that's kind of refreshing sometimes. I'm talking about when you have to bundle up or you hate yourself. When you get to that level, your body literally rebels by shivering, trying to wake you up, saying, get me warmer, dumbass. <laughs> so I this feel is pretty a hot one for you. Yes, it is literally a hot one. So I just think people are confused because we come from the Pacific Northwest where a lot of people will defend the cold. But what they're actually defending is activities that they enjoy around the cold, not the actual cold itself. Yeah, I think, you know. When you make a choice on where to live, there's some level of identity sure. um, defense as well. I love the seasons. I love the diversity. I think our bodies love seasonality and diversity. And I, I do love stepping out into a cold, a cold, sunny day and feeling the, the chill in my lungs and knowing that there's this sort of like buzz around the holidays. And, and, and again, all these things you're articulating about that space. Um, but I also choose the cold. I know that it's a benefit for me. I choose cold showers. I like cold baths um, because of how beautiful and, and fruitful it is for your longevity and well-being and recovery and everything. Um, similarly, though, being really hot is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Sweating profusely. So all of that, I'm defending the people who are out there really <laughs> liking the cold. All of that. I, st I still choose the, the hot. I'd way rather be hot any day than yes. cold. But 100%. I also know that there are folks who feel differently. Yes. But I agree with you. We're allowed to think differently. We are. Crazy. All right. Going to college is not that important. <laughs> 2022, as our world is loaded with student loan debt and a bunch of people unemployed and trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do in life. Not using their degree. And they got six figures worth of tuition paid for, whether that's through their own pockets, their parents, or uh, some lending institution. Mm-hmm. I think college has been significantly discounted. I went to college. I had a decent time. I learned quite a bit. I don't really apply much of it. I don't think it is as important as it should be considering how much money goes into yeah. the tuition of a college 
degree. Totally agree. 100%. I think that it is part of the mainstream script for happiness, as is, I believe, marriage, where it's like, this is what we do. We go to high school, we then we do this, and then we decide, I don't know what we want to do in life, and then we go to college, and then we go through four years, you find your love, you get the job, and you get married, and then you have the kids, and then you get the dog, and then you get the house. Like There is this script, and college is very much a part of that, where it's just assumed that people should and will go. Yeah. But I think it comes down to a personal choice on like, what do you want to do? If you want to be a healthcare practitioner, yeah, right. it's important for you right. to go to college. Yep. If you want to be an entrepreneur, maybe it's not so important. Maybe you take a few classes. Maybe you get an internship. Maybe you um, use your own like innate skill to build, you know, like you can learn these things yeah. so many other places aside from like hash, like the quote unquote business school. Yeah. Almost a hashtag. Yeah, hashtag I could do, I could do an entire school. podcast on this. And, and again, like college completely changed my worldview. I... I completely shed Christianity uh, through college and some of the things that I learned. That being said, I've had so many deficiencies in my professional career from what probably could have and should have been taught by the $40,000 a year yeah. institution that I went to. Totally. And so, uh, again, it's the polarity of things because a lot of those deficiencies have caused me uh, to really lean into learning and motivation as an adult, so I'm grateful for them. Um, but I just think that... that generally college is not as effective as it should be agreed all right last one for me more money does not equal more problems <laughs> you know there's that saying more money more problems mo money mo sorry problems. mo mo money yeah. mo problems <laughs> um i don't think that it necessarily has to work out that way um i think that I, I don't think that money necessarily buys you happiness, um, but it can resolve a lot of like low hanging fruit type of problems, mm -hmm. you know, even just like, you know, people that have like health issues and they don't have the money to see the practitioner that they want to see having money does take care of those low hanging fruit problems to where you actually get to express more of your soul, creativity, authenticity, because you're not worrying and stressed so much about like how am I going to make rent this yeah. this month or whatever the kind of baseline problem is that we just we we all have as humans is like these things that we have to figure out and if you have you know a, a considerable or just like a, a comfortable amount of money you can feel happier so I don't think that it necessarily equals more problems yeah no I, I agree and um, like you said it can even be something as simple as just up leveling your diet because of what you can afford at the grocery store. Right. Like there are certain, th there's a cap, I think, where if you don't learn how to enjoy your life, money will never be able to, to right. fulfill your dreams. Mm -hmm. But it does, it can take you out of the basement. Yeah. Like it has a ceiling, you know, it has, a, there, there is a ceiling on the house of money when it comes to your enjoyment in life, but it can definitely lift you up out of the basement. Totally. Yep. Love that analogy. My last rando unpopular opinion the holiday new year's eve sucks it's kind of a stupid <laughs> holiday yeah it's so close to christmas which is only a month after thanksgiving which is only a month after halloween there's not really a fun theme besides drinking and Partying. staying up super late everybody's on a little bit of a hangover from this 
two and a half month holiday binge yeah that i think there's this kind of like half-assed approach to doing it in an authentic way how many people kind of show up to new year's eve just grumpy yeah i think it's real (laughs) we also have a huge gap between new year's eve and the next like legitimate holiday yeah valentine's day sure but we don't get the day off right you don't get the actual like it's not like a like a national Mm -hmm. holiday where you get the work day off some of these others like president's day and others like you get the day off but there's no like fun tradition it needs to be like kicked down like two or three months you know put it in a spot let's get a theme on this thing let's you know let's make it like tropical themed and everybody no matter where you're at in the world it's you get to wear hawaiian shirts i mean i'm just making this up but like i just think that this holiday is kind of like weirdly placed not thought out properly and needs a rebrand when did holidays become an excuse for like people to just get fucked up and like i don't even care about the excuse to get fucked up thing like Go for it. It was what makes Fourth of July a blast. Like people sure. just want to get fucked up, have a ton of fun. Like let's let's take a couple days off work and just have community. That's what I want to f- experience from this. But it's it's very much like an exhausted pursuit to kind of numb all of the the yeah. the energy that you've been expending over the last two and a half months. Yeah, so. I think I think that there's a better way to celebrate the new year. Yeah, um, maybe we just need to come up with our own celebration and, and invite people into it. If you're not into the bar scene or the partying scene, or if you're like, I don't want to stay up till midnight just to see the ball drop, I'd rather get a good quality sleep because I feel amazing the next day. Yeah, that's where you and I are at. Where we're like, you're gonna, I don't, I don't feel the need to watch the glass ball drop. I'd rather get good sleep. <laughs> I'm so old. Yeah, you're super old. Um, I I agree with you. I just don't know if that's gonna pick up a lot of momentum. The, uh, hey, these are unpopular. Uh, they're unpopular, they're unpopular for a reason. I love you, and that's why I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a couple from the listeners that we want to chime in with. Uh, some of these, not our words, just saying. Uh, hashtag Don't Get Cancelled. First one for me: Nancy Pelosi's face is worse than Michael Jackson's. <laughs> We're not really political on this podcast, but yeah. I, I know what you mean. Um, some things have been done in the face space for her, and uh, not a great look. Not yeah, not a great look. It's tough, tough look. Um, from me, these are uh, again, these are not our opinions. These are someone else's unpopular opinions. Longer work days, but shorter work weeks equals more days off. So what she's saying is, if we worked like 12-hour days, Monday to Wednesday, and then we had four days off, we'd still get the same amount of work done, right? Yep. So I think what, she, I think what she's saying is valid. Um, yeah, I like it. I like it. I say less work in general. Whoever invented five and two, Seriously, at the who? minimum, it's got to be four and three. At the Seriously. minimum. I'm, if, you, if listeners, if you're ready to start this, like I'll get a freaking petition going. <laughs> Humanity should not be spending five out of their seven days yeah. working. Period. No, I don't. I don't think. I, I think there are other, other countries that have transitioned to four and three, and they're actually more productive. I believe it. And happier. All right, cancel culture should be canceled. Uh, yes, I agree with that. Yeah. I think it perpetuates this attitude. How about that, accountability culture? <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, but also like growth because 
someone could be canceled for something that they said 15 years ago, like just said. They didn't actually even hurt anyone, like a, yeah. a crime or anything. They just said something. And I think that it's dangerous to just remove people from yeah. existence because of something that was said without an actual crime attached to it. Here's an analogy. Everybody's experienced this as they've grown up. Most of us probably experience it in our working lives, in our communities. But when you're a kid and you're in school and there's this one person who's just grind your gears they just bother you maybe they're maybe they're you know telling on you for doing something they're a narc or they're bullying you and you just you just want that person gone done most adults in those environments are suggesting you learn how to work through it my parents literally said to me there will always be a you know bill in your life just maybe bill was the the bully or the annoying mm -hmm. person that just kind of badgered me in school you got to learn how to interact in a world with those individuals. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them, but you need to learn how to navigate life through these just clunky, potentially even disruptive relationships. Yeah. I don't think the answer is to just remove it altogether. We have to have opposition. That's the point of this entire fun podcast. We have to have opposition, opinions that we don't agree with, things that we don't align with so that we can run up our own ideas, our own ideologies, our own opinions against the opposite just to give it context, mm -hmm. to give it meaning, to really evaluate whether it's real for us. Mm -hmm. We can't just cancel and remove. What if there was no contradiction? Yeah, we would be living on like robot planet. It would suck. Yeah. It would suck. So stop canceling everybody. We can hold people accountable. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But fuck. All right. That was my rant. <laughs> All right. Next one for me. We've already kind of talked about this. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, money can buy happiness, just not for all things. Yeah. Totally agree there. Yep. I'm going to keep going here. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, alcohol is a toxin. Already said. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Yep. Uh, I think that it's uh, glamorized into something that should be just automatic in your life. And if you don't, if you say that you don't drink, you're kind of looked at like a weirdo, like you have a problem or that, you know, you're of a religious cult or something. Yeah, drinking alcohol is like using a credit card. It You can borrow. You can borrow for a, for an immediate borrow need. Borrow fun. And, and it's fun. I've had some really great times on alcohol. I love, actually, we've really been enjoying wine. But you do have to pay for it or at least give enough space for recovery and reconciliation yeah. to get back to a point of balance. Totally. All right. Next one. Masks are useless. Burn them all. Um, I'm just going to say that's an interesting proposition. <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm really glad that California is lifting the mask mandate. I Even though we haven't been wearing them. You know, everybody pretty much knows Peter Parker, Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark. These guys are behind the masks. Just get rid of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure that's the type of mask that these this person is talking about. Um, this next one is, is actually pretty good. Being, quote unquote, spiritual is the new organized religion. Yeah. This is, this is like get realsies for a second. This could actually be like a whole podcast yeah. topic. I think this is we're, – we're so – uh, groomed in our society to treat these metaphysical um, avenues in the same way. 
But you you can you can like say you you know transition out of something like Christianity or Mormonism or Catholicism, you can go then find another set of beliefs that are still dogmatic, that are still keeping you in a yeah. sort of a set of beliefs. Uh, it can still you know encourage you to go and like uh, recruit people, yeah. get people to believe what you believe. You haven't actually transitioned out of religion, even if it's something like crystals and astrology and tarot. Like yep. if you're still using the same kind of value system behind it and not being inclusive of other people's beliefs and being curious about what other people believe, yeah. not just stuck in your own dogmatic ways, then yes, you've just you've just changed up some of the verbiage. Yeah, I think sp- especially in, in religion, there's this good, bad, make the good choice try to f- try to seek forgiveness on the bad and get back to this kind of like zero state this this even state that can oftentimes be brought into um spirituality whether that's like kind of this karmic game of like plus one minus one plus two minus two uh as far as like good things you're doing versus bad things you're doing i think there's this like very ingrained in us cycle to the way that we evaluate life and death and punishment if we don't do things correctly and even even i've seen like the the stages of consciousness you know our friend aaron abke talks often about densities and dimensions and 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 the way to spiritual evolution i think that there's this gamified approach that is mimicked from mainstream religion about how good of a christian you are how good of a mormon you are you know they talk about mormon building being able to build these like kingdoms uh, for how good you are on earth uh, mm-hmm. in heaven. And I think the same can be said like, oh man, I want to get to like fifth density and sixth sixth density and, and reincarnation to the next level. You know, there's this weird like gamification that takes place and it really doesn't matter what the backdrop is. If you're not just completely starting over your way of evaluating the metaphysical, you're just going to be sort of like repeating those same patterns in the same way that you can work for a company that you bust your ass for, avidly believe in it, uh, but find yourself grinding to the bone and realize that that's no longer your purpose, no longer your your mission. And so you, you're like, all right, fuck this company. I don't believe in the product anymore. I don't, I don't really believe in the people. I'm going to uproot and go to another company. You do the, you find yourself getting super on board with the culture, super fired up about the place. Oh my God, this place is new. It's a breath of fresh air. This is awesome. But sure enough, you're still working late nights. You're still going way too far than you than you should, burning the candle at both ends, and you find yourself in the same spot. You start to have resentment for the people you're working with. You start to tell yourself stories about why you don't really like the mission and the purpose of the brand. And all you've ever done is you've just switched your same individual issues into a new environment. Yeah, totally agree. I also think that whatever type of spirituality you choose to engage with, I believe that it should be something like the point of it should bring you closer to love. It should make, is it making you a better person, a better friend, a, a, a more compassionate, you know, like our friend Ryan Meeks says, I don't know what I believe. All I believe is life is a gift and love is the point. Mm. So no matter what you believe is love the point? It should be the point. It, it it really should be. And so like if your belief system isn't 
inclusive and compassionate and empathetic towards other people's life experiences and all you're trained to do is just judge the other person who doesn't believe what you believe yeah like you could get as enlightened as like as ever you could be the most enlightened new age whatever and if you're still looking at christianity or catholicism or atheism or whatever and judging that person for not believing what you're believing you're in the same boat as you were you know, you know, years ago. So like, I think coming from that perspective, looking at whatever you believe, is it bringing you closer to love? Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for Ryan who articulated that so well. And something that I've felt, especially in my spiritual evolution, kind of coming out of uh, Christian culture, never really, never really subscribing to it, but then kind of transitioning into just full scientific materialism. Um, and where my spiritual awakening and enlightening has really taken shape is in this idea that we don't know we may not ever know and that's okay Mm -hmm. it's not the point this earth experience this human experience that we're all in is a world for learning about ourselves and each other and how we're the same and how we're uh, also different but collectively a part of something that is greater and that's the mystery that's the little drop that keeps this thing interesting it keeps it unknown so that we can have the novelty of love Mm -hmm. so that we can have the novelty of of uh, the the nectar that we get to experience from a a piece of fruit because we've also you know taken a bite of broccoli and realized that it's just pretty nasty (laughs) so we have this polarity and there's no necessarily rhyme or reason behind any of it except for the fact that we're here to just experience it and Mm -hmm. know it and we get obsessed because we're afraid and we're scared and we want to like spell everything out and structure it so that we have this confidence that okay when i die yeah we feel safe be okay uh, because i'm gonna gonna do good and then i'm gonna have this you know resort on the beach in heaven (laughs) i just think that will i'm only 31 maybe i'll get a profound experience in you know a day or so and realize that there's there's is this kind of like treasure map to reality and the purpose of life but i think i think it's just about living it out baby (laughs) i love it (laughs) all right moving on to the last one one. last one for me all right you ready for this okay go it's a closer do it butt stuff (laughs) is as enjoyable for heterosexuals is this yours or of listeners you tell me. <laughs> you tell no, me. No, this was a listener. I'm going to keep their name anonymous, but um, I don't know. Uh, Might have to try this out and get back to you guys. <laughs> There's freedom on the other side of butt stuff. There is. I think Einstein said that. Right. <laughs> yep. All right. Last one from me. Dog breeding is organized animal rape for greedy humans to profit from. Wow. <laughs> and I've actually heard this again. This is from a listener. Um, I've heard this from other people and other friends where um, they've explained the sort of like rings, the animal rings that these breeders get into. And they're literally like forcing mating, like they're forcing the female dog to get pregnant every year. And it, that's just like basically abuse so they can just profit off of selling the offspring. So yeah. I think that's what this person is alluding to. Not an expert in the space, but I think that she probably is touching on uh, some truth there. Yeah. But 
Yeah. Uh, man, I hope I, I know we have ruffled some feathers, um, but that's OK. I think I think moving through life and feeling those ruffled feathers and just observing it and witnessing it, not necessarily judging it or judging the source, just being like, huh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder how they or why they uh, came to that conclusion. Yeah. So I definitely challenge everybody listening to uh, not on social media. Go to a friend, you know, somebody that you are comfortable with. Maybe it's a family member and just, just practice this. Yeah. Build this muscle with grace and with love and with a container of safety and with a container of empathy. You don't have to agree with these people, mm-hmm. uh, but give it a try and, and engage in a healthy dialogue um, because you'll learn something. And at the minimum, you will validate something that you feel strongly yeah, about totally by way of just using the other person as a mirror right i think if you're after truth then asking questions is never wrong you know we get we get scared of like well i don't want to ask that question because what if they answer their answer is better than mine and i seem wrong and they seem right like if you're actually after the truth you shouldn't ever be afraid yeah of questions totally so, Okay, so choosing one winner from the responses that we received on Instagram. I think the one that deserves to win is the one that sparked the most conversation. <laughs> the one that sparked a nine-minute yeah. rant by me? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That was uh, being spiritual is the new organized religion. We will reach out to you on Instagram, let you know what you won, and we'll get some goodies your way. It might even... Uh turn into a podcast episode. We've got a ton yeah. of people who we could chat about this with. We could do some ourselves. And obviously I could probably talk all day about it. <laughs> totally. So thank you so much, everybody. Yeah. Before we go, before we sign off. Yes. My love, my girl, my beautiful Megan. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what's your medicine today? Mm, mm, I know. My medicine today, we are coming off the close of enrollment for Deep Love, Mm. and I have my group of women that are going on this journey with me and with each other, and I am getting together their welcome gifts and getting those in the mail, and it honestly just writing out the notes to them and uh, really being intentional with what I'm sending them has just been medicine for me. Um, I feel like this has been a long time coming, and I'm just excited to get going in the actual course. So that's my medicine. Mm. So good. This is going to be so incredible to witness and observe. And it's really the start of something incredibly powerful. Thanks, babe. What about you? What is your medicine today? My medicine today was, um, it it was because it was, it was the prep leading up to this podcast. It was uh, just the fun conversations we've been able to have. We've obviously been pretty intensive in some of the subject matter that we've put forth on the podcast as it pertains to relationships and kind of deep metaphysical meanings oftentimes. And there is such a lighter piece to, to what makes our, you know, magic, magic. Mm-hmm. And that is just the ability to riff and, and be a little more spontaneous, a little less formatted and structured. And so that was it for me, uh, really leading up to this podcast, having fun with what unpopular opinions look like. Um, just going back and forth with you on what that could be and just having a little bit of a lighter episode. Hope it's um, felt and enjoyed and we can definitely do more of these because um, it's fun. Yeah, 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 totally agree. Thanks for hanging with us. We will talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> Sounded like a fart. <laughs> 
If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, along with the discounts, visit themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes for this episode. Until next time, cheers, boo.